0: Welcome back to e This Week. I'm Phil Cross with the Epic News Network. Joining me today, Brianna Monk, a senior at Epic Charter Schools and one of the founding journalists for our student journalism program. Welcome, Brianna. Hi. It is a nice cold and rainy day, but I'm glad everybody is able to be safe today as yes. we avoided a lot of the ice. Hopefully, whenever you listen to this, it's a lot warmer wherever you're at. <laughs> Big news this week obviously uh, around the country really everywhere is impeachment. We've got the senators sworn in now and just today CNBC had a breaking news story up saying Ken Starr and Alan Dershowitz are joining Dershowitz are joining the defense team for President Donald Trump. For those that remember Ken Starr was the prosecutor that special prosecutor that did the investigation into President Bill Clinton that led to his impeachment and the tra- uh, charges that he lied under oath. So kind of a big deal that he is joining joining this case closer to home. Ken Starr was involved in some uh, of the controversy down in Baylor as well. So a lot of people remember that name from uh, from the Baylor scandals. But impeachment if you don't know we've got some good recaps on our website exactly what the process is what some oklahoma lawmakers have said taylor bryant and ren kirsch uh, have written about this on epic news network brianna this is your first impeachment yes. how do you how do you feel
1: uh it's a lot like i feel like there's so many there's so, so much information you have to gather like when learning about all this kind of stuff and i'm still new to all of it all of these like how they're doing the, um, like the trial that's coming up pretty soon, and they're literally gathering all this information at one time, and all the Democrats are like it's two completely different stories that they're trying to tell.
0: Yeah, that's that, how I'm seeing it. Yeah, you do. I mean, it's, there's really not a whole lot of common ground uh, between these. Uh, one of the interesting quotes that I saw from Alan Dershowitz was uh, the fact that. Uh, he, he said that he opposed the Clinton impeachment, was uh, voted for Hillary Clinton, and is is joining this because he doesn't uh, believe that impeachment should be used as a political weapon, which is something that you've heard uh, coming from the right uh, uh, quite a bit. But I remember being – watching the news during the Clinton impeachment, and it, it was pretty clearly a, a political uh, move back then as well. I think that we're kind of in that kind of divided – country right now where you have these two different narratives coming at uh, everybody
1: yeah i completely agree
0: so i I think that's going to be the big story going in through next week uh and and beyond really i i don't uh, i believe i read the senate doesn't have the votes to dismiss this outright so we may get a trial what kind of trial that's going to be are there Uh, Rachel Maddow had uh, a really bombshell report last night on MSNBC. Uh, Her ratings really went up quite a bit last night. That's in the kind of the media side of things. Uh, But talking about Rudy Giuliani Associates uh, and who knew what when and who directed uh, the the aid, you've got the Inspector General uh, Watchdog coming out saying the White House uh, violated the law by withholding aid for policy goals rather than any sort of... Uh, national emergency because Congress had allocated those funds. So there's really a lot here, and I think it's going to be very interesting to just wade through all this in the coming weeks. That all feeds into 2020. We are in an election year, and this will be your first time voting, right? Yes. so you, a lot to handle. Exactly. Uh, one of the interesting things that I've seen, and you brought this up when, you, when we first started talking about this, what do you see on TV as far as 2020 goes?
1: Right now, all I am seeing is commercials for Mike Bloomberg. I mean, I have been seeing them for the last what two weeks, maybe, all over the place.
0: And are you, or do you stream a lot? Are you seeing it? I'm seeing it all on, on streaming services yeah. as well. So yeah, me too. Uh, those are really, I think that's a, a, a very fascinating ad strategy, uh, especially going with streaming services, because you can really target specific audiences and know a lot about those audiences. But what do you walk away with when you see a Mike Bloomberg ad?
1: Well, from the information that I've seen, it was like, okay, so pretty much all of the ads that I've seen, I've seen them on Instagram, I've seen them on commercials, on TV, and every time I see it, he's just offering to do so much. You know, like he's putting all of this effort into these videos. I mean, he's literally spent $200 million of his own money going towards these commercials and campaigns.
0: And this is, a, I mean, like we were talking, this is a very interesting strategy. Uh, there was an article uh, out of uh, KTOL in Tulsa talking to a political analyst who's really echoed what a lot of, uh, of campaign watchers have said is in a traditional campaign, you have all of your candidates really Fighting in Iowa and New Hampshire first. You you want to come off with an early win in those in that first caucus state, the first primary state. And if you come off with that win, you get you know you get the recognition, you get the media coverage, uh, you get the fundraising bump that comes along with that. But Mike Bloomberg is essentially ignoring Iowa and New Hampshire and really betting heavy on these Super Tuesday states, which Oklahoma has moved up their primary uh, a few years ago in order to really kind of compete and make sure that Oklahoma is considered as part of the, part of the race when it comes down to picking primary candidates uh, as opposed to just being an afterthought where, you know, we would vote when, you know, it's already been decided. Uh, So it seems to be that's paying off for Oklahoma in the fact that candidates are, you've got Mike Bloomberg at least, seeing benefit in coming to Oklahoma. Yeah. So, and I think he's going to be here on Sunday in Tulsa at a rally. But even beyond that, that move of the earlier primary, you saw a lot of the presidential candidates come to Oklahoma in the last, in the 2016 cycle, election cycle. Yeah. Uh, so that seems to be, you know, kind of a good mood. It, it's made Oklahoma a bit of a player, even though traditionally Oklahoma goes pretty red in terms of the the November election. When it comes to primary, uh, I think we're still very much up to, up in in play.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I when I gave you the article as we were talking about the changes to the Iowa caucuses, have you ever? Have you ever ever considered thought about what happens in Iowa when it comes to presidential voting?
1: Before, no.
0: So, 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 how it works? I used to work in Iowa, uh, and the caucuses are a really interesting night because you've got, uh, especially when it comes to Democratic caucus night, you have your candidates all out there, and you have your surrogates ready to go, and people will sometimes, depending upon the precinct, will literally go stand in a corner. So it's it's like a it's like a big kickball team, you know, tournament where I'm, I'm for this candidate, so I'm going to go stand over in that corner. I'm for this candidate, I'm going to go stand in that corner. I'm for this candidate, I'll go stand. And so you physically take the people from place to place.
1: I've never heard of anyone doing that.
0: So it's, it's this really kind of wild way to do it. Now, what's throwing everything a, a curveball this year is the Democratic National Committee wants more information released to be more transparent in the process. So they they're going to release three different outcomes. So you're going to get the outcome of which corner which candidate has the most in the first round. So that's going to be your winner. Say it's uh, say it's Bernie Sanders as as the clear winner in the first round. Well if if you've got these second tier candidates if they don't have enough if they don't meet the threshold say like 15% of the total in the room then they're done. Then it's yeah. up to all of those candidates to make a pitch to those. Say it's a, uh, say it's a, a uh, you know, Mayor Pete. If he doesn't make the cut at 15, which he probably will make that first round, uh, or we say a Klobuchar, you have to make a you have to make a pitch to those those people and say, here's why you should join us. Then that little small group splits off into their next candidates. So then oh. you go to the second round because you got to recount. And so by that second time, if Uh, Joe Biden has managed to convince everybody that was in those second tier to come to him, then the the second round, he may not have been the first pick of everybody, the most popular one in the room to begin with, but he's the most popular second choice for everybody. And so then all of a sudden he wins. So so you keep going until you get an overall winner. And so even when you get down to, you know, uh, just a few, you've got, you know, still are able to pull until you finally find the most people in the room are supporting that so no one has that lower than 15 percent majority you know uh, participation in it so that's going to be a really interesting thing to see you're going to get the numbers from hey first round this is the most popular candidate but it's just he's got the highest percentage in the room
1: yeah he
0: may not have the most people overall but he's got the highest percentage in the room. And then you have to go through the different levels to see where everybody goes out. I mean, I've never done a caucus. I've never participated in a caucus. I've always just voted in primaries or elections. Uh, but it's it's a fun thing to to see and to watch and to experience when you've got people going. You know, it's like oh, I've got to you got to actually physically walk to your corner and and pick a side. That seems uh, like. Very interesting way uh, to participate in a democracy.
1: Very interesting.
0: But here you just get to go go in and vote. Yeah. Just fill in your box all the way. (laughs) That's the hardest hardest part is making sure that you fill in the box all the way. What research uh, beyond just seeing the ads right now, I mean, as you're preparing for this, I mean, how do you and how does your generation, uh, your peers, your friends look at this? I mean, you're you're surrounded by a bunch of people that this is going to be the first time voting and... You know, young people have uh, a history of maybe not voting as much, but you want to be involved and you want to find this stuff out. How yeah. how do you how do you go about doing that? Where's your where's your sources of information, and how do you cut through all that left right you know no middle ground type of thing?
1: I mean, considering it is my first one, I feel like there's definitely so many sources that you have to consider. Like, what source of hearing your information is going to be the best one for you? Because, like, I feel like my generation, most of us just hear from, like, our parents and the rest of our family, like, the thoughts that they have. And usually, like, growing up, they're going to, like, we're going to agree with our parents even if we don't understand it. But now, like, that we have to vote, we have to consider all of, like, these videos that we're seeing of all of the presidential, like, all the elections coming up, and they're all putting their commercials out. And you have to like cut out which ones you think is going to be the worst ones for you but it's hard because you're kind of you're not only just deciding it for yourself but it's kind of like it's going along with the rest of the world pretty much or the rest of the united states
0: There's a big big responsibility when you stop to think about it yeah well moving on from the election let's talk uh, a little bit uh, about what's going on on the epic news network uh this week You have uh, a new story that is online this week that we worked on. Tell us a little bit about this, because this is going to affect Oklahomans uh, quite a bit, and I think there's going to be some Oklahomans that are really interested in this.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the Oklahoma Wildlife Department has, they release new rules about every year. So I spoke with Micah Holmes. He is the Oklahoma Wildlife Department's information officer. He's the one that you, or I interviewed and asked about this kind of stuff, because I'm not really, I'm not too familiar with all of, like, the wildlife department's rules, and so I wanted to figure this out before I wrote my story, and what he told me was that this new generation, there's a bunch of kids that are growing up, going to college, you know, they're not hunting and fishing and doing it, like, it's just the... Hunting population is just going down.
0: The number of people actually getting out and participating in it.
1: Yes, and so they're trying to find a way to balance that out, because it just means that the, you know, the deer population, the fish population, it's just getting higher.
0: So I the one of the proposed rules is to add an extra week to hunting season. Yeah. And you know you think about it, and you know maybe you're not a hunter or not for hunting, but you know there are there are a lot of people that are hunters in Oklahoma and. You know, a lot of people that don't have a problem with it at all. But one of the things you've got to think about when it comes to especially the deer population is hunters help manage it. The, the wildlife department helps manage that deer population. And if that gets out of control, all of a sudden we're seeing a lot more car accidents. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you know, it's nice to see deer. We've got some out by, by my house that I like to see in the backyard every once in a while. But I don't want to see them when I'm hopping out in front of me whenever you're yeah. driving down the road. So this is an interesting story that you got, you got to work on to, to try to understand how this kind of rulemaking process works. So as I read your story, it looks like the commission is now kind of reviewing everybody's public comments, right?
1: Yeah, they closed the public comments earlier this month, and they're supposed to be uh, voting on the n- new proposed rules. They have a meeting on February 11th, which is supposed to kind of narrow down which rules are going to be added and which ones are going to be taken off.
0: So I guess it's kind of really up to all of us to make sure that we take care of nature. And sometimes taking care of nature means the hunters really provide yeah. uh, provide that balance, you know, within nature. So a lot of fun stuff. And then, you know, we've got... So we we we've, we've always we've got the legislative session getting ready to start. We've got you know election stuff, we've got campaign ads going. So it's really kind of an exciting time even though it's a little dreary and cold outside. There's a lot of stuff uh, for you to when you're indoors, read up on elections, read up on, you know, the upcoming legislative session, to yeah. know how to call your legislator to say this is what you know, this is what I feel on this issue and how I think you should spend your time. So a lot of stuff to really keep us busy right now. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up. We're about out of time for our podcast today. So that was, this has been ENN This Week. For Brianna Monk and Scott Carter, who is on the road today on assignment, I'm Phil Cross, and thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.